take a sacred pause in your life and realize there's a lot of people out there that are going to encourage you to be a victim. And you're not. No matter what, you're not. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the Basement Yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Daniel Priori, and today I'm joined by stand-up comedian, transformational coach and keynote speaker, Mr. Craig Shoemaker. Craig, how you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. I'm looking at myself on camera, though, and I'm looking very yellow. I'm going to have to have myself checked. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I think you look pretty good. The yellow's making your eyes pop. The skin's popping like I have a disease. I don't know what's going on. I have a jaundice. I wore a yellow shirt today. I should have gone with something else, but it's okay. Most people listen instead of look anyway. Yeah, it's the truth. It's the truth. You're in LA, right? Yeah, I am in Los Angeles. I've been living out here for a little, but I'm also from Philadelphia and New York. So I've got the, like that edge with the LA thing. I'm stuck between namaste and kiss my ass. That's where I kind of live in that space, in that zone right there. Are you a Philly sports fan or New York? Huge Philly. Philly. Yeah, big time. I went to the Super Bowl this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, the 11th row, 35-yard line. And my son, who I flew out there from New York, where he's getting his master's, snapped at me at the opening kickoff so kind of kind of ruined things oh what happened i said take your jacket off man show your eagles colors dude you're gaslighting i love people that use all these terms triggering gaslighting all these terms need to go all right i was beaten to a pulp as a kid that's bullying all right so that's true i'm coming out with a new tour called unwoke as fuck you know what they're saying they're basically going hey i'm awake and you're not you know my causes need to be your causes it's even with like mental health right everybody has a mental health issue now i guess when it kind of became profitable we've talked about it on the show before a bunch of times it's like i tell people all the time i was depressed before it was cool that's what i always say <laughs> right I was suicidal before people were doing it. I tried suicide when I was 13 and uh, my mom walks in. I'm like, I was dangling. I took all these neckties and I put them over a door and I tied them to the handle and I put a little noose on there. I learned in Boy Scouts who knew where it was going to come in useful, but I was dangling and choking. She walks in. She goes, oh my God, what are you doing? Those are new neckties. Get up. That's how we were raised. I'm much better now because of that, right? I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I didn't I give in to my mental illness. I didn't give in to my suicidal thoughts. I now get to teach other people how to get over this stuff without trying to cancel a message you don't like or you don't understand. It's just give it a chance. Take a sacred pause in your life and realize there's a lot of people out there that are going to encourage you to be a victim. Mm-hmm. And you're not, no matter what, you're not be accountable, re- be responsible. I learned all this stuff. Thank God I lived. You know, I also died. I overdosed. I died and hovered over my body. Thank God I'm still here. I got four kids, you know. Beautiful. And, uh, th- this is what was destiny, but you can't 
You can't have destiny if you stay in that pocket of victimhood and searching for other enablers to keep you going, to not have a sense of humor, have have a sense of humor with everything. Everything's okay to talk about. It's all okay. Remember, sticks and stones will break your bones and names will never hurt you. What happened to that? They started hurting. (laughs) (laughs) I started hurting people's feelings. That's the thing. Do we need to go back to sticks and stones to beat it into them that (laughs) these words will not hurt you? I always tell people, like, I'm 34. I was, like, the last era before, like, cell phones were really cell phones. Your parents met with a, a pager, a beeper. Yeah, yeah, no. my Yeah, I wish my parents were that young. They met with fucking uh, smoke signals. <laughs> my dad's an Italian from the Bronx, and my mom's yeah. a Puerto Rican from the Bronx. So that was already a sitcom in itself. Very <laughs> racist one, but it was a sitcom in itself. <laughs> Very all in the family-ish. My grandparents didn't accept my mom because she was Puerto Rican until she had a kid. My grandfather was Archie Bunker, an Italian Archie Bunker. <laughs> and like a slumlord and did the whole wow. thing. That's like all in La Familia or something. That, that, <laughs> that yeah. sounds like a great show. I, yeah, I, it, was, it was a pretty good unfortunately, show. Unfortunately, you had to tune into that show every day. Yeah, unfortunately, it was a reality show. That's and the reruns. Was. You had to watch the rerun. Here they go again. Oh God! They're fighting again. Oh, in therapy too. So, how about, I, how about the passionate add? fight they must have had? They must have had some pretty. That's what they call it, passion. Oh yeah, yeah. That's why it. they get away with passion. If it's a passionate fight, it's not really domestic abuse. You know that, right? That's called rage, but you want to call it passion. Domestic, <laughs> yeah, it's called domestic it's violence. From the blow, the literal blow. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's it's amazing to me the semantics that people use to dance around things. We're just dancing. We're just doing bypasses on stuff that you could actually heal. You can <laughs> heal this stuff. You know, I, I have laughter heals the foundation. You can also heal through laughter. Fine laughter. Much better than rage, much better than snapping out, much better than taking someone down, much better than analyzing someone being harsh, whatever it is. It's really the best alternative you have. It's spiritual to laugh. It is. The reason I started the show was to show the levity in mental health. Everything was way too serious in terms of how people just were like making content and like putting their messages out there. And like it was very grim. I was like, you know, like it's kind of funny sometimes. When you're taking your dogs for a walk and thinking about jumping in front of a bus, like it's a little funny when you get home and like think about it for like a second. You're like, that was a real thought. Of you can have fun with anything, you know, and th- you know what they say? K's are funny. Have you ever heard that term? Yes. And, and words with K's are funny. So I'm thinking, hey, won't be so bad. Colon cancer. Not so bad. <laughs> you got a trip, a double right there. Colon cancer, <laughs> colon cancer, chemo. Wow. That's a triple threat right there. There's a joke right there. So, colon, colon, cancer, chemo, cancel culture. <laughs> They'll be canceling me after that line. <laughs> I have cancer. I have cancer. I, I have a line in my act to say uh, it's, it's real simple. It's a, a pixie sticks. We used to eat those. It's diabetes oh, yeah. in a straw, right? This guy writes to me. I'll never watch another one of your shows. I'll never pay to see you again. My daughter has diabetes. <laughs> what is your point? Everyone thinks they're special. That's the whole thing that's going on. Everybody's special. We're all one on the planet. So be one. I left the left this year. I've always been on the left because I'm very compassionate. I have a lot of empathy. But then the woke takes over. I was like, why don't you just call yourself compassionate or empathetic instead of that you are something that someone else isn't or analyzing them? The intolerance had me leave the left. I'm never going to go right because that's just as whack. Everybody's whack right now, but just following. They just follow in these echo chambers and repeat things. It's almost like they have to look around and go, what's my response to this? I'm stumped. 
What's my response? What's my hashtag? The thing is, too, it's like you ask a lot of people, it's like, hey, why are you uh, Democratic or why are you Republican? And they'll just say, oh, like my parents. Like they grew up in like a Republican household. It's like, you know, you can have like your own thoughts. You know what I mean? Like so many people voted for certain people because that's who their parents voted for. There, it's a tradition. What happens is we're born in love, light, levity. We're born that way. That's what we are. And then they take over the parents, the teachers, society, the government. And they say, put you in lines and they give you good grades for compliance or reward and a reward, whatever it is. There you go. Pat them. Good job. You memorized 1492 Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Good job. A for you. But they're not telling people to go and listen to our true source within. They're afraid of it. It's powerful. It's potent. It's as big as it gets. My new book is called Get Out of Line and Into Alignment. Get into alignment with yourself, with your true flow. Your I call it genuine energy flow. That's what I teach. Get in with that flow. It's unbelievable where it will take you. It's like a river. Yes, there's impediments and rocks and dams and things like that. But if you're in genuine, who you truly are, authentic, who you truly are, that will always keep flowing. And when it stops, when you get dammed up, it's stagnant mosquitoes and moss and all that. That's what happens. And that's what people are right now. They're so stuck in trying to be right and not trying to have a great time being blissed. It's amazing to me. One of my goals now, you're a comic and you all understand this. Comics are very sarcastic and cut off spiritually many times. Of course, I'm yes. a general. And it's a sarcasm, which literally means removal of flesh and cynicism. Everything's cynical. Even if they were watching this right now, they're like, oh, Shoemaker, what's he talking about? And then the spiritual folks, and I've been way dialed into that, they think, oh, I have to clasp my hands together, and, you know, hug you heart to heart and, and use words from India. And I sit on a rock in Sedona. I'm enlightened now. No, you get enlightenment through laughter. Instantly, it's a bullet train to your enlightenment. It's, who, it's the lightest you can possibly be. And it's, I'm trying to build a bridge from the woo-woo to the ha-ha. Like build a bridge from the, the cynics, over to the spiritual who are too serious. Let's have fun. Let's have more fun. I do guided laughitation instead of meditation, by the way. I'm not a great what, meditator. What is that exactly? Because I do think laughter is an international language. Exactly. But how do you go about doing like incorporating that into your actual meditation? You want to do one right now? Yeah, fuck it. I'll do a simpler one. I have a thing called chuckle chatter. I'll start with that, right? Okay. You, you want to do it with me? Yeah, let's go. All right. Here's okay. This is what I do in my course and my private. So I, I start with this is a centering way to get with you. All right. So you start with a brief breath through your nose and let out a ha. And a ha is a cleansing breath, by the way. You do it along with me and listen to the resonance of the ha. If you go to, if you're a church guy, right? They go, hallelujah. It's ha. It's a celebratory word. It's beautiful mm -hmm. resonance. It cleans you out. Ready? Ha. I always have people, I say, write down one to 10 what your stress level is. It always goes down just a little bit right there. But now it's going to go down even more. I'm going to do a quicker version because I know you don't have much time. And next time we're going to do ha. And at the end, as you're letting out your breath, let out a ha, 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 like a natural laugh. Okay. It'll happen. Ready? Ha. <laughs> good, good. See, it's contagious. Another one through your nose and let us. Ah, I want to see ha. Ah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Ha, come on. There you go. <laughs> Open that mouth. Now, <laughs> stress level went down, right? Skin's popping. Yeah, it's popping. Everything's popping now, right? Like so here's how I like do that. guided lapidation. Well, I'll, I'll start with chuckle chatter. Now, I'm going to laugh speak to you. I'm going to say what I did this morning, right? All right, here, here we go. And you just laugh along with me. <laughs> I right. got up this morning and I took a shower. <laughs> <laughs> and I washed my hair. <laughs> And this morning, I actually used this stuff that says it grows your hair. It won't, but I did it anyway. <laughs> and, I, and I'm so used to washing my hair. I put soap on top. Oh, I blew that one. <laughs> I started from scratch, and then I shaved. <laughs> all right, take a breath. Ah, All right, now. That's a chuckle chatter. What a great way to start the day. So much better yeah, than no. fake caffeine and fake laughter. Laughter, by the way, if you, even if you fake it, you make it because it's still doing what it needs to do to your body, your soul, yeah. your spirit, your everything is oh, nice. laughter, right? I'll give you my laughitation. These are real brief ones. You say out loud what's in your way like okay. in life, obstacles, uh, difficulties. I'll go first and then I want to see you do it. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. Breathe in and you help me out. Ah, <laughs> my wife left. <laughs> my agent won't return my phone calls. <laughs> she changed the password on her bank account and stole the money. <laughs> my dad just died three months ago. <laughs> And we didn't talk in years. He left when I was born. <laughs> he really did, though. He, he, really left did. Me with, he left me with debt and had to pay all the bill collectors, even though he never gave my mom a dime. <laughs> and we grew up poor because he didn't give anything. I take a breath in. Oh. And, uh, yeah, that's nice. How you feel? How you feel, feel great. I'm not that mad at my agent. Better. Yeah. Well, that's right. And yeah. I love my dad. I do. I love my dad. There you go. See, it, it just puts you right in that vibration, man. And you can't deny it. Your head's not involved anymore. It's stinking thinking. And it's great. Talk about mental illness. This is great for mental illness. This is what I teach. This is what I coach. I'm driven to do. Look, I'm still doing stand up at a high level. Are and you going like, a lot? Yeah, that's like one offs, though. I want to teach people how they can be funny or how they can access their own sense of humor. It's easily accessible. You see how you did it just now? And by the way, you were very good at it. You just jumped right in. Yeah, you have to. You have to. My thing is, if you're going to do anything, you got to do it 100%. You can't just yeah, snap days. Yeah. It's impossible. There's some people go, this is ridiculous because we're taught not to laugh. We're taught, what are you laughing at? Like in Philly, what are you laughing at? I'll wipe that smile off your face. Literally, yeah. that's the message. Again. Wipe the smile. Why would I want to wipe a smile off my face? Yeah. Why would anyone want to do Because misery loves company. So I'm trying to change the frequency here just really come up with a new station on the dial and that is we can dial this up at any time we want there's exercises i teach the i call them fun assignments where all of a sudden it kicks in i'm watching these people have transformation in their lives where they're not so depressed they're not so down the, the down the downtime is much less it's more uptime it's more uplifting and it's so cool to watch it but also feel it myself. I am going through some tough stuff right now. But if you look at life, it's almost always tough stuff, unless you live in a bubble. It's and the truth. I mean, people. 
No, we don't want to be bubble people. And, and life's hard enough as it is already. Yeah, exactly. It's trying to find ways to get through the day. There's too much like stress on like the science behind like therapy and stuff. I think people should do if it's not detrimental to their health, do it is the best thing that makes you feel better about yourself. Yeah, exactly. I've found solace through laughter as of you. I mean, our lives are based around it. And also it's like some of the best sets I ever had are like when people aren't laughing. Those are like when I laugh the most. Those are when I laugh the most at myself though. You laugh at yourself. That's one of the things I teach too is humility. Humility is will get you so far in life. It's a superpower. Oh, yeah. You can admit your rumbles, stumbles, fumbles, crumbles, and tumbles. That's a superpower. People are engaged with you. They like you more when you're self-deprecating than some bragger. Yes. I used to be a bragger. Oh my God. I am so embarrassed by myself. But now I like people talk about these awards. I won all these awards and I have them back here. I only have them back here because people tell the branding people say, well, you need to show the Emmys and the comedian year and all that kind of stuff. You know, my prized possession is I should show it to you. The horse's ass trophy. I won in my ex-wife's family reunion. I am so proud of that thing. Way above the Emmys. That takes real work. to get. Oh, oh, I earned that one. You know, the Emmys like, yeah, it's one shot. I did some good writing, some good acting, whatever. Oh, yeah. No, the horse's ass. That took years of development. Oh, man, that's fucking hysterical. And it's true. The biggest question that I had to ask was, what was Murder, She Wrote like? <laughs> what was what? You should ask me about Angela Lansbury. <laughs> that's what I'm oh, saying. Yeah, baby. Love Master. Yeah, that's right, baby. <laughs> I think I put out her hip one day, baby. Oh my God, I love it. Did you <laughs> it almost was murder. She wrote another script right there, baby. In that dress. <laughs> anyway, no, nothing happened in the dressing room with Angela Lansbury. By the way, that would be an example of uh, of a not brag is, is hooking up with Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury had a status, so people would get it if you did it. <laughs> you know, they would understand. She was always old. Yeah, she was like uh, Leslie Nielsen. They were always 80. That's what it was. The other thing, too, is when did you start putting your actual like you're you had a tough upbringing? Yeah, it was, it was very. Uh, yeah, I was kidnapped and yeah, it was a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah a lot of you property, know, eaten up, uh, eaten up, green, kidnapped. Um, your yeah. dad left. Yeah. Cult, no, cult all leader stuff. stuff. All yeah. Uh, dad's a cult leader. When did you kind of start like uh, normal? <laughs> yeah. When did you have a normal night's sleep? Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a good question. I don't really sleep that much. I, re I really don't. It's unfortunate, but uh, I don't know if it's because I'm excited about life or yeah. I have to pee. I mean, it's it maybe it's something in between. There's really a lot of like recovery from these wounds. And uh, my ex-wife actually texted me this morning apologizing about listening to her wounds mm. instead of listening to, you know, heart. And it was a beautiful text to receive because she was basically apologizing. She put more into like self and ego than she did like the marriage. Right. She already has from me that apology. I think we can always be accountable, always be responsible. Uh, I just had someone at work for me. I spent tens of thousands of dollars on her and she would not be accountable or responsible. Hmm. Like literally we're in a blame society. It all comes back to us and our choices. So I made some choices years ago to be on a self-evolution path. And that includes a lot of laughter. I mean, all these, you can hear much better, like the inspirations that are there from a higher source, whatever you want, God, whatever you want to call it. You can hear that much better if you're not so busy trying, you're not so busy 
being something that you're not. You're not so busy trying to please and protect your image, which they already know it's not really true anyway. Yeah. So I just kind of take these pauses all the time and go, oh man, there's something. Best friend has brain cancer. They gave him three months to live. What can I do? Laughter the best medicine. I start Laughter Heals, started my own program, worked on it, worked on it, or he showed up for all of it. He gave him three months to live. He lived 15 years past that prognosis. Wow. That was, you know, because he added all the prescriptions that I offered. Now he did other things too, but he, that's mostly, if you are laughing, you have much more of a will to live. Oh yeah. Much more of a will to live. And people don't understand it. It gives you hope because you have no hope if you're sitting in misery. If people are going, oh my God, I can't talk about your disease because, you know, I don't want to bring attention to it. No, there's attention needs to be paid to it. What needs to be fed is something positive. Otherwise, it's going to remain in the negative, and that's how the cancer grows or whatever you have. That's how it manifests. It gets worse. And by the way, I'm the whack job for thinking this. That's what's really crazy. I'm the whack. I'll get like one follower from this. <laughs> get like one follower, one other whack. Everyone else is going, they've already tuned out. This guy's no. a jackass. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable how our society works. It's only about negative. So I'm not, not only, it's so much about negative. Have you ever noticed something? This really bothers me about comedians. This is no brag. We're the greatest artists on the planet. We're the only ones that only rely on our own brains, our own writing, choreography, you know, producing performance. Actors, I give them the Oscars. We have no Oscars. Yeah, I won this comedian year one time. That's already gone. The, the American comedy where it's, it's gone. You know, there's no comedy category in the Oscars. No. And we are literally healers. So it bothers me so much that people will take time to say that joke sucked. This woman says, you, you need to work on that. I just put one joke on. I said, no, you need to work on not criticizing someone who's here to uplift you. Yeah. You need to work on something and, and taking the time to tell me what you don't like. Just leave it. Yeah. So how about people take the time to say that was the best show I've ever seen, which they tell me after my show is a standing ovation. I'm one of the few people that gets them. Well, how about everybody go write that? We have no reviewers. There's no, no reviews for comedians unless it's a major stadium. You know how many people do those? That is unbelievable to me. And it shows you it's indicative of what's going on in this world. It's we're so stuck in getting in their lines, being followers their echo chambers, repeating things that just keep us separated and divided. Whereas comedians, we want to bring everyone together. We have a oneness about us. How about when you're laughing? No one in that audience knows what the, who the other one voted for, right? That's unity at the highest level. Yeah, it is. Why do we not talk about that? A lot of people are just preconditioned, like even how we were talking about, like how people are preconditioned to vote for whoever it is they vote for before they even, you know. My thing is, I, I just need people to take their times the real only individuality that we really have control over is what we think yeah you know you have to try and find that within yourself though because everyone's going to tell you what to think all the time you could tell a joke in new york that fucking kills and then go to fucking st louis missouri and it doesn't kill and now you're questioning yourself and is this joke funny or not a lot of times it just has to deal with where you are i would plus that and say it has to do with where you are yeah talking about yeah. Spiritually, spiritually, physically, sure. where you are in your life, in your centered life, where you are, if you are off center, if you're off center, most jokes won't work as much or as, as well as they could anyway. Hmm. 
in your zone. Like uh, I remember Michael Jordan years ago, you're probably too young, but he was shooting all these threes in the playoffs and he just shrugged. Like he couldn't couldn't miss. He's like, I I, I can't miss. Sorry. I can't miss against Portland. Yeah. It's because he was in a zone and comedians are in that zone as well. When you clear out all the wreckage, all that stuff, you're present, you're mindful, you're in the moment. You're not trying to get a gig. You're not trying to score. So, you know, auditions are that way too. Whenever I'm trying to get the part, I'm, I've lost before I even go in. Yeah. But if I'm up there going, okay, I'm just going to be of service to these people, whether I am auditioning or whether I'm doing a crowd, whatever it is, or a family. If I'm of service first and out of my own ego and out of my own head and of service means I'm going to bring my most pleasant, blissful, happy, light self, smart, I'm going to bring that to them and let the results be what they may. It could be a laugh. It could be a groan. It could be leaving the room. That's what I keep in my mind. Every time I get nervous, every time I try, it's because I have an agenda. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. And if we have to take time to kind of center ourselves and find ourselves to be a better version of ourselves and what we want to do for a living. I've had every shitty job like that you could think of. I've done it all. I've done it. I know. Look, you, anybody has to make posters of my face. Uh, that's yeah, a really shitty job. I don't know how in the hell you made it through that. I got to print this guy. Talk about PTSD. I'll tell you that. That's what it was. You know what I mean? I used to work at a comedy club and uh, I used to print uh, Craig's posters when he would come headline uh, at the club. So it's like you think of your life, like even this conversation we're having is full circle. You know what I mean? I had to work hard to get to a point in my life where I actually believed in myself and I didn't care what anybody thought. Yeah. That was a hard place to get to, but I just realized that if I'm going to fuck my life up, it's going to be me. Or if I'm going to make my life great, it's going to be because of me. It's not going to be because of anybody else. Uh, I'm not going to blame anybody else. As much as like, you know, you go into therapy and they tell you, you know, your mom didn't love you the way that you should. Yeah, maybe she didn't. But you want to know something? I'm still here. You know, so I have to figure out how to be a better person and a better version of myself before I can just start blaming my parents for everything i got over that in therapy very early i said i can't just blame my parents that's amazing you would mention that because one of the stories i tell by the way when i coach i don't say i don't like repurpose something i read in you know dale carnegie or tony robbins or whatever they're all saying the same stuff you know put something on your mirror and all that now i'll tell a story about something that happened to me where there's a major transformation and change and that happened with my mom i didn't speak for six seven years and oh, I had all the rights, you know, allegedly to say bad mother, bad mother. I had other people to go, oh, that's not a good mother. She would do that. Oh, that's what kind of a mother would do that. I had everybody. Way to go. You're, you're right, Craig. It's toxic. Cut out the toxic. You know, you get all this. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You must cut out your. Yeah. Listen, you can't stand. You need a boundary. She needs. She's violating all that stuff. It's all theoretical is what I found. You know what? Theory worked for me and not even a theory. It just happened naturally. I used to say she never says I love you. I happened to find these old CDs of her on my radio show years ago doing a segment called What's Bugging Barb and everything bugs her. And I started laughing. It's, I mean, I called the kids in. My wife, I go, get in here. Look out. Listen to Nana. And they're laughing. Yeah. And I realized here I am saying not a great mother and all this stuff. And traditionally, yes, yeah, some things she would do or selfish or whatever. She literally gave me the gift of laughter. Yeah. So I turned it all around. I got into literally the voice of radical acceptance came in. I radically accept my mother. I can't wait to talk to her every week. I talk to her three, four times a week. She's hilarious. We're writing a book called the book together called What's Bugging Barb and Craig? Because everything oh, yeah. bugs me too. 
Yeah. I never would have had this joy if I stayed in that other space of the, it's like a new age space of toxic and all those words, triggers, boundaries. No, it wouldn't have happened unless I got accountable and I apologized to her. And you know what happened? It set a new tone where she's not feeling attacked for not being, she's got the energy of you're not a good mother that even if I didn't say it, she's got the energy. I stopped it on a dime and I laugh with her all the time. I read her letters on stage and she writes to me and guess what? At the end of the end of the segment, she would always go, love you. I don't, I said to everybody, she never says, I love you. She hates right. me. I had all that stuff labeled, label the labels. And I'm saying that story to tell anyone that your relationship with anyone could be repaired. If I didn't look at myself, that never would have happened. But she was just out here in LA. We had time of our lives laughing the entire time. The kids didn't enjoy her. And that's what manifested just from being accountable, just from only looking at my side of the street. And guess what happened? She ended up apologizing to me a number yeah. of times for some of her fails. That yeah. doesn't happen unless you start first. Yeah, because if people are defensive, the last thing yeah. you're going to get from them is an apology. That's just how. Exactly. Or if they feel it's a feeling of the energy, you know, they, they feel like you're pressuring them. They feel like you're judging them. Just like we don't want to be judged. We are doing that to them. I share that with everyone because many people, we go in that silent treatment phase of our lives and we do all that kind of stuff allegedly to protect us. It's not protecting us. It's actually causing more harm and less safety. And now I have the safety and comfort of being able to have my mom still here on the planet, laughing, calling her and just having such a great time with her. And you know what? Nothing. She says nothing can bother me anymore. That shows a lot of growth in you as a person though. I'm not a victim anymore. She could say, you're the worst human being I've ever met. I'm just sorry I even gave birth to you. And I'll go, I know, mom, I agree. What are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do, mom? This is my destiny. By the way, she'll start a little bit, you know, into things where you don't don't agree with it. And I go, I'm trying to change her. And then I go, ah, it's okay. Yeah, you're right. You know, or whatever. I just let it go. My dad was kind of the same way. I asked my dad one time. I was like, why don't you say like, you love me, really? He's like, Danny, I work all day. You guys eat every night. You guys do whatever you that's, want. That's his show of love. Yeah. He's like, I get you video games when you want them. You and your brothers. Like, if you want to go somewhere, I make it work. I bust my ass. He's like, yeah. you know, what? I'm sorry if I don't say I love you all the time, man. I don't know what to tell you. And I was like, you know what? I let that bother me for so long. But then as I got older, I was like, bro, I get it. I understand. That's not who you are. That's not the type of person that you are. I'm trying to change you into having to be like, I love you, son. I love this. I was like, you know, I said, that's why I knew I had too many Jewish friends. (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to script something that's unnatural. Yes. Instead of acceptance would be, oh, that's his show of love. Yes. And here's the irony is I'm thinking this out loud is you're not doing that for him. You're not buying his best video games or anything for him, right? Not so. So he could look at you and go, this kid doesn't ever say I love you in actions, like buy me the gift that I want or whatever it is. Anybody can do that yeah. game instead of going, having no limits to our love and expression of it and being of service and being in the moment and pausing for that cause of our own freedom. That's where we can come from instead of these expectations, which are planned disappointments. Every time it's going to be a disappointment. No one's ever going to live up to it. So let's say he said, I love you. My dad did once. Was it enough? 
no, no, I ran with that one. Someone told him to do that. Other than whatever it was, yeah, yeah. it was fake. That was the one regret I have among a few, but I didn't say it back. He said, I love you. And he hugged me in a parking lot in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, where we met halfway. And he says, I love you. What I searched for my entire life, I couldn't take it in. And then he hugged me and I was a cold fish. That's what I gave him back. Goes to show you, we all have a lot of work to do on ourselves. And the energetically, when that starts energetically, when I could have accepted it easily, given it back easily. But no, I was in a resentment in wanting that. I wanted him to fulfill something inside of me that I only could fulfill inside of myself. Yeah, no, it's the truth. Like if a dog runs after a car, like what's it even going to do if it catches it, you know? <laughs> right. You know, that's kind of in that moment. You're like, oh, man, like I would probably say this to my dad. Like, I'll punch my dad in the fucking face or I'll <laughs> hug him or I'll do this. And then it gets to the moment and we all shit the bed anyway. Right. You know, it, it becomes like that kind of situation. I have a couple questions for you. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to kidnap you or anything. That's the thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I don't, that, that, I don't want that happening again. You kind of so look you, like him, by the way. You kind of <laughs> look like my kidnapper. If you just shaved the beard and left the mustache, you might be him. <laughs> when that guy got caught like is that guy in jail still the guy who kidnapped me yeah he's no. gotta be dead right that's a whole other story that had to do with my resentment of my mom she was the one i told and she said don't you ever tell anyone i held on to that secret and ended up you know drinking and drugging and everything else with that shame so no nothing ever happened your mom just didn't want you to be a snitch i don't think that was it it was shame everything's shame based Always. oh my god this can't happen to my son I allowed him to go with this guy and uh, you know, all that stuff, whatever it is. She apologized for that too. I didn't Beautiful. ask her to, I yeah. wanted her to for years and I let it go. She ended up saying, I just didn't know what else to do. And that she had all these reasons and they're okay. I accept them all. It happened and nothing quote happened to that guy, but every day he lived, something was happening to him. If he was in that kind of pain that he would do that to a kid who was 13 years old and hadn't hit puberty yet. That he would do that. He's in his own prison anyway. Yeah. People think prison does it to them. When you're in that kind of agony over what you've done to people, innocent kids, which he had done a n number of times, you know, you're in your own hell. It's your chance, your opportunity to get out of that. And that's what I teach is I teach people, whatever hell you're in, everybody's in hell somewhat. Yeah. Some sort. You could be in a hell of boredom. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, no, it's true. It can be anything, anything. But to do something about it, that's where the rubber hits the road. That's where courage and being brave enough to be willing and open enough to listen to someone else's perspective and experience and kind of heed some of those things that you're being taught. Listen and apply them and then see what happens. Watch life get much more fulfilling and happy. You had a good time today with our laughitation. Imagine doing that on a regular basis. I agree. And I think um, a lot of people just have to be willing to try something. Just give it a shot. Like, what's the worst yeah. thing that happens? You're yeah. already depressed. You know what I mean? Like you said, if you're already living in your version of hell, wouldn't yeah. you like, want to get out of that a little bit? Like, try something. You would think. There's an, probably an illusion out there, but it could be true, though. It's more of a majority of people would rather stay in that space. Yes. And this is the reason why drug companies are so profitable, because they have yeah. the short-term answer for that instead of the long-term it's a scalable sustainable answer is to work on yourself yeah so you go down the street to the doctor that says oh here you go here's a script for you 
with no exploration, no, like I really did. Like I tried laffitation every day and it came to this. I had to go that. No, you're not. No, you're not. And you know, you're not at the end of the day, you know, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I trust science. And, oh yeah. Did you trust Mengele in uh, Nazi Germany? He was a scientist and a doctor as well. It's like, who are you going to trust? Which doctors is, is the science about, you know, and which doctors are bribed? Do you ever break that one down? That they're bribed to do surgeries, that they're bribed to give anesthesia, they're bribed to do prescription drugs. Meanwhile, if something goes wrong, they can't be sued. You don't think there's something wrong with that? It's the government. They're all in, in cahoots. But the one thing that government can't get involved with is our spirits. If we choose to align our spirits with true self, authenticity, with love, light, and levity, which is what we teach in the course, if you truly are aligned with that, and stop empowering these people watching the news where they tell you what to think and what to, who to be afraid of. That's the big thing is there, you're even afraid of your diagnosis. Yes. You know, but instead of embracing it, they always say war on cancer, war on this and war on this. Why always waging war? Has it ever worked? Tell me one war that's worked. None of them. No, they don't. Well, the war on drugs hasn't worked. It's, wars do not work. What works is self-transformation and evolution. Not a revolution, an evolution. I like the, Viva, I like Viva la evolution. Well, that's the thing, though, too. You've been in a shitload more green rooms than me, but we all know that green rooms can be the most fucking depressing places in the world. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't go. <laughs> I don't go to green rooms. No. I'm like that, too, though. Sometimes like people will just be like, hey, what's up? Like, We're going to go do this open mic or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know. Nah, I'm all right. Yeah. And yeah. they were like, why? I was like, yeah, they're the most fucking depressing places. It's a room, and then there's like four or five comics in the crowd. Nobody's laughing. Everyone's just worrying about their set. And then you walk out of there into the New York street more depressed than when you went in there. Stay away from that kind of shit, man. This is it, it's, it doesn't need to be that depressing. I was asked to sign a wall the other day of a new club. I said, no, I don't sign walls. Because all you're doing is subjecting yourself to these miserable comedians who are jealous, and they're going to heckle you, you know, it's like the keyboard cowards out there. I'm not interested in the vibration. So I intentionally don't hang. I don't even do short sets. I just go do my own headline thing and have an opener. And that's all I see. And then the oh, opener that awesome. I choose, though, they must be somebody that I'm in alignment with. It must be someone that I can encourage them. They can encourage me. It's somebody who's supportive and they support me and I support them. That's the way. And there is it's out there. It's out there. There's the rarefied air people. But I can't breathe that air. That's that's not good for me to just go back and forth with the gossiping and taking people down. We should be all in this together. Bring laughter together. Do you know comedians live a very long, fulfilling life? If you don't, obviously, if you don't get into drugs and alcohol and all that kind of stuff. If not, you've got guys like George Burns, Milton Burl. They live into a hundred. Bob Newhart's still around. Dick Van Dyke is still around. Norman Lear's a hundred years old. Mel Brooks. There's still, Shecky Green is still alive. These are Phyllis Dillard died in her nineties. I mean, they live really long lives because they're surrounded by laughter. So surround, I'm saying to anybody surround yourself with as much laughter as possible. It's the cheapest high. It's much less than a prescription, 20, 25, $30 cover charge, whatever it is. You go laugh your ass off, watch something on television. It's funny. I don't understand how pe more people don't do this. It's the truth. And it only takes like, one set for people to walk out of there and be like, yeah, I never really thought about life like that. I kind of like the way that person thought about 
politics or their view on this, or you find somebody that actually shares the same point of view that's on stage. And that's how you get genuine fans. If they identify with you and they fuck with you that much, you know, it's one of those things you can't get into this business now. It's like, I've been doing it for like two years now, but it's like, you know, you get into this business, not everybody's going to be like a fan of yours. You kind of have to figure that out. And just, you know, like you said, the humility of it. And it's like, not everybody's going to think you're funny. Some comedians are really going to talk shit about you behind your back. That was the one thing I realized when I was working in Caroline's is I got to be a fly on the wall for so many comedians just talking shit about other comedians. So I was just like, oh, man. We should be helping one another. I I actually, Caroline's one time, I accidentally helped someone is uh, I got it. In 1999, I was on fire. You know, a lot was going well and packing the rooms and stuff. A lot of people would use my rooms to, like, work out their Oscar material, like Chris Rock and Gary Shandling for the Emmys. And, you know, I draw a great audience. It's an adult, yeah. good audience. So a manager came up and says, my client uh, is auditioning to be on Saturday Night Live. Can he go on before you? And I normally don't allow guest sets. I'm like, hey, you know, go to a play and say, hey, in the middle of Wicked, can we do a little number from Les Mis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mind? You know, it doesn't make any sense. It's a scripted show. It's my show. So I said, yeah, it's okay. And I will admit this right to you now. As I was selfish. I said, wait till they see me. He could be great, but wait till they see me. So I said, yeah, sure. 15 minutes he does. He killed. Did very well. I said, hey, good spot, kid. You know, but I didn't yeah. say kid, but you know, like that. Good, good job, kid. And I walk out and I'm going, wait till they see me. I look, there's 11 empty seats. They signed him in the other room to Saturday Night Live. Wow. Jimmy Fallon. Wow. So I thought that maybe he wouldn't remember this, but not only did he, this is the camaraderie. I go to uh, Dave Chappelle's house last year. There's John Stewart at dinner with him. And I went with Caroline Ray and it's the Donnell Rawlings. And then Chris Rock walks in. He does a set out in this cornfield. And he introduced me. He goes, this guy's a legend. He was my first headliner, Dave Chappelle. I didn't realize he ever, ever had a thought of that. Yeah. But Jimmy Fallon leaped up. He was there too. And he hugged me and he goes, I remember you doing that. That's awesome. And that those two things that they said that night, I went, oh, so that feels pretty damn good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like of course. that makes us a family. It makes it a camaraderie. It's not in a green room knocking people. These were people that we were embracing one another, helping one another. Like uh, Dave Chappelle, he did say something on stage that I gave him a note after. Yeah. He introduced me. I said, that was a lousy introduction. Apparently, I don't remember that part. When he was 15, <laughs> and apparently he held on to it all these years and said it to this cornfield. But it was really uh, it was an extraordinary time to hang backstage with all the people. It's a camaraderie. It's like all high level, obviously. Chris Rock walks yeah. back after getting off his private plane where he'd just done a set in Ohio. He walks back. I'm Chris Rock. Yeah, no shit. We all know who you are. Okay. <laughs> yeah. There are positives to it. If you go to that level, you have to go to that level spiritually, though. Yeah. Really, really dial into that we're doing the work that we need to do to help people. And when you're in that space and not like, this is about me, I'm trying to get laid. I'm trying to, you know, when I was in that space too, I need the waitress's number or whatever it is. Right. That is not a place that's going to lead to happiness for me. But stuff like this, which happened obviously many years later, Dave Chappelle's not 15 years old anymore and I'm not 20. Then I get it. So why we're doing this. It's really a fraternity, really. Cause like if you go around here, you go on McDougal Street on a Wednesday night at 10 30 
at night, you're seeing a hundred comedians run around just trying to get spots. It's homeless people and like it's like drug addicts and comedians on McDougal Street. That's what McDougal Street, and you can't tell a difference between them. Well, sometimes there's not. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes they're both. But that's what it is too. But no, it, it really is. It should be more fraternity. That's the way that I look at it. You know, I've put people on stage at sold out crowds and like, I'm like, Hey, like, you know what? Go do five minutes. I'm like, you ever played a room this big? And they'll be like, no, I say, like, all right, go do five minutes. Yeah. Just so you can get that feeling. You know what I mean? And I don't want anything in return. The only thing I want in return is for you to come back and be like, I felt that energy. I felt it. You know what I mean? I was able to embrace that and hold that. This is the last question. Yeah. I ask everybody on this show, and I'm actually very interested to see what your answer is going to be. Are you happy today? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. You know why? Why? I'm happy I got to hang with you. I'm happy I got to vibe with you. I got to laugh with you. I got to have a reflection of laughter with you. I got to connect with you. I got to be of service to you. I got to really be present. I got to be mindful. I got to have some new jokes that arrive. I've got some artistic things that happened today. And that makes me very happy. So well, all those things happen in the last uh, hour. And that makes me very happy. Now, I could go find out that the kids spilled something in the other room. I will be unhappy. <laughs> that's why, right? And as long as they're happy in the moment, that's what we shoot for. That's uh, exactly right. Yeah. And then for everyone that's listening, where can they find the books? Where can they find your stand-up? Where can they find you on the internet? Where can they find the motivational speaker? Contact me and literally contact me. My email address is right there on my website, craigshoemaker.com, official Craig Shoemaker. If you want to go Instagram and private me, you know, DM me. You know, I, I have a joke. I haven't had sex in so long. You're going to need lube to slide into the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Just to get the message off. Something I'm really passionate about. I do love teaching. I love mentoring. I do mentor comedians. But more importantly, I mentor everyone to have more of a sense of humor, a sense of self, which is very important. I've got tools and skills to do that. And this is what I want to do. This is my life's work. I'd like to stop doing stand-up at some point and just do this. It has much more impact for me and for others. So, But come see me perform. I, I'm still <laughs> working all over the country. And... You know, we'll go hang and have fun. I do a 90-minute show, so I really yeah, wow. bring it. I bring it. Like I'm a marathon or not a sprinter. That's the other thing I don't like about these short shows you do with everybody else. It's like a competition almost. I like you the most. I don't care if you like me the most. I just care about the night that you had. Did you have a good time? And uh, I really, really want to spread this message. So hopefully people got that here. Winning with Humor is the name of the course. Winningwithhumor.com. It's the name of the course, but I also do private. Just email me or whatever, and we'll work something out and you can be part of this mission I have. I'm starting a movement. I've started a movement, the laugh mob. It's a, movement, it. a laugh minded love, light and levity. That's our core. That's what I wish for everyone. And guys, you guys can find us at one one OTC everywhere. I'll make sure to uh, drop a like subscribe. Please go check out Craig Shoemaker's website, craigshoemaker.com and check out all of the things he's got going on. You're a very busy man. I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by 101 Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together, and you're never alone. Peace. Fate Entertainment. Ah!